Tuesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day Monday through Friday we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the uh, 1995 Ron Howard directed feature Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And we're finally getting, hopefully finished with all the MacGyvering going on up in uh, (laughs) Apollo 13. And we get a little bit of family time with uh, the Hayes family, which we've been spending a lot of time over at the Lovell residence, but uh, we get a little view of the the Hayes family. And my gosh, that is the most 1970 look I've ever <laughs> seen. All that Ethan Allen furniture that I, I didn't have personally, but I had a lot of friends who had that very same coffee table. It's all, all too familiar. And I think... I, I maybe miss my memories, but I think I had that that toy clock that that kid had uh, <laughs> in the in the opening seconds there. Which... Isn't it funny how some manufacturers like like there's just stuff we all had. Like we've all had like the Corningware or the uh, you know with the blue sort of yeah uh, yeah the cornflowers yeah yeah exactly like everybody's had that at yeah. some point or another you've had one of those. <laughs> Ah, and that that warm, cheery glow of an old uh, color cathode ray tube TV. <laughs> they had to w- let warm up when you first yeah. turn it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it just kind of get blurrier and blurrier as as the years went by. Um, but oh, that feels so so familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like their fieldstone, their fieldstone fireplace. I just had my fireplace refaced, and uh, it it looks a little bit better than that, but. Uh, Due to the, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of the uh, Corona quarantine, and uh, I have everything done except for the fire log. So it, I see a fireplace, and it's like, oh, I bet their fireplace works. <laughs> you know, one thing I uh, I always thought was interesting was when you're looking at the TVs like this, is uh, TVs have gone from basically a piece of furniture. I mean, when you look at, how, I mean, it was it was oh, an yeah. end table. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, really, it's a little you, a little credenza. Yeah, I mean, like growing up, my parents had stuff that decorated the top of the TV. Yeah, you know, and now mainly we just kind of hang them on a wall like a picture or something like that. Yeah, which you know, it, it kind of makes sense. It's like it, it's all that all that real estate in your living room is taken up by something like that. And it, I mean, in that other, unless you had like a Zenith, you didn't have a remote control for that TV. I, I thought cool. one of the one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was when we got we finally got a vcr and we had a remote control on the vcr and it had a tuner on it all of a sudden we didn't have to go to that side of the room to turn (laughs) to turn the tv on yeah Um, that was a uh my you know i i grew up i'm a child of the 80s i grew up in the 80s and and i remember uh i remember our first like vcr our first cable box you know yeah. stuff like that you know and uh yeah. and it was magic it was oh just oh my god <laughs> yeah it was like huh you know i remember you know like having a remote control was so bizarre you know uh even the first vcrs didn't come with them yeah um, yeah or, or they were on a cable do you remember the, the cable yeah, one? the top loaders yeah, yeah 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 and it was I mean, VCR, yeah, gosh, I feel, really feel like caveman with a flashlight when you talk about these things. But <laughs> the idea that you could record a show and watch it on your own time and you could zip through the commercials, it's just like, this is pure magic. 
Oh yeah. You know, I know I remember I really felt like I was living in like 2059 when like <laughs> my dad would set a timer on the VCR and it would we'd go do something else and it would record the show. Yeah. You know, and then you'd come in and like, great, you know, like we were out doing something else and and uh and we could watch this whenever. Um but uh yeah, that was that was a big deal. Yeah, or and, and then you got to that point where you were the first time you knew you were living in the future with that was then when you had to avoid people from finding out like the you recorded a baseball game or you recorded a show and you didn't <laughs> want to know the ending and you'd be like la 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 anytime yeah. somebody was talking don't I haven't seen it yet it's at home yeah and- yep exactly and I you know I remember my mom and, and I grew up in Pittsburgh so um our grocery stores they were called Giant Eagle and um I remember when Giant Eagle opened up a video department in the store like right in the grocery <laughs> store so you could do your grocery shopping swing by the video department pick up like a video or two for the weekend that you could have for a couple of days and bring them home and the very first movie my mom ever rented was top gun wow uh, yeah i i vividly <laughs> remember it there was a there was a display hanging of an f-14 tomcat made out of like cardboard or something uh. in, the, in the front of the store it was like we have top gun you know and uh and I was like, I don't know what this movie's about. And then little did I know that would change my life. Like, yeah, there was. I saw that, and I was like, that is what I need to go do. Whatever. I, thanks, I have to be with Yeah, airplanes. thanks, Giant Eagle. That was... <laughs> yeah, all because of Giant Eagle. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I can remember we, uh, before like video stores were around, uh, you could rent them from appliance stores like that were selling the VCRs. And uh, here in Texas, we had a place called Highland Appliance. And, uh, you know, you go in, you'd buy a VCR, and they'd say, oh, by the way, and you get five free rentals. And I was like, wow. really? Five whole movie? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, this is mind-boggling. Like, you know, and you, you go and you go, well, which one do I want? And it's, it's you know, they were all just really horrible <laughs> movies that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even keep on, on your TV right at the moment. Like, okay, we'll watch this one, you know. And it, um, yeah. Uh, Ernest but, goes to uh, yeah yeah exactly you know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know on, on a serious note uh, we're talking about TV um, before we had cable you know and it was just you had the major networks yeah uh, one of my my earliest memory uh, that I I really can associate with an event uh, was Challenger the explosion yeah. and it's one of those things that I remember where I was uh, you know I was. I'd, I was in kindergarten. I had half a day, and I, I was with my mom, and uh, she was making a sandwich, and I was in the living room, um, and she came in, and we watched this thing, and I remember my mom, you know, I didn't understand that something had happened. Yeah. You know, I I knew something was wrong, um, you know, and I remember my mom being visibly upset, and then my dad came home, and he was upset, you know, and I couldn't understand you know, and it just took over the TV. Like none of the kids yeah. shows were on anymore. There were no cartoons in the afternoon like there normally were. And and uh, but that was one of my earliest memories. Was I, I I vividly remember sitting there watching that with my mother. And uh, I mean, not a a high point, uh, but it, no, but it, it, it's, it's it's it's. I mean, it's such a benchmark for a lot of what where you were and what you saw on different yeah. you know different major events. I mean, we do we all do that with nine eleven and things like that. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's weird. Thing like time is flying by so fast. It's the the kids that weren't even born at nine eleven are now out of high school. They're in college now. And it's just yeah. like, wait a minute, wasn't that like uh, a couple of weeks ago? Uh, you know, it, it's it's amazing how 
how fast time goes. I mean, like, well, from a from a museum standpoint, from a programming standpoint, um, up till a few years ago, you know, we didn't we didn't have any programming on nine eleven here, and then um, it was just that one of my coworkers is a younger guy. Uh, we were talking about nine eleven, and he was like, "Oh, I was you know six or whatever." And we're like, oh my God, you know, this is 9 11 became history um, that we need to teach because there are, you know, time goes on and people yeah. uh, weren't alive when it happened. So every 9 11, we have a speaker at our museum. And, um, you know, we've had uh, one of the air traffic controllers from, from Newark Trade Count or New York Trade Count that was uh, working that day. And wow. uh, we had uh, President Bush's. Uh, Air Force One pilot on 9/11 last uh, September. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, it, but it's uh, in 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 the, the community also gets behind it as this is their way to to sort of honor the day, you know. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, we, when we talk about TVs in our living room and things like that, um, there's a lot of. I mean, I think there's a lot of. Um, nostalgia i'm sure on on the old tvs and and not just the television sets but what we saw coming through those screens i mean we saw history yeah i mean every like everybody my age you remember watching the moon landing because that was on your that happened in your living room everybody's living room the moon landing happened in your living room and i can remember you know watching watching apollo 11 land on the moon that sunday afternoon and uh you know, everybody crowd, every everybody crowded around watching the TV. Nobody, I had all these adults in my house. I was nine years old, and I had um, my, you know, my aunts, and, my aunts and uncles were over, and my cousins were over, and we're all just staring at the TV. And it, it's like there was the time before people were on the moon, and then there's like everything after is people have been on the moon. That's just like we talked about that very early on in this movie when, when uh, uh, Jim Lovell's looking up at the moon and saying, "Now we live in a world where." Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, and that—that's how it feels when you're when you're in the middle of these things. No matter what happens, this is now after that time. You know, it's like you you notice that changing point in your life, and, and we're we're going through that right now. With I mean, we're thinking, you know, it's a current event that as we're recording this, uh, we're under quarantine with the virus. But uh, you know, 20 years from now, hopefully, there will be people that won't remember this, won't remember what what that was like and this this will be a story that you will tell your kids grandkids or whatever um that this is what it was like at the time and so you know i feel so less heroic jim you know like like tell us about the moon landing and i'm gonna be like <laughs> tell us about the plague like well i just shared my fair share of memes and uh yeah. basically just yeah. uh yeah, you what, know, watch watch the tiger sh- yeah the tiger <laughs> show and all that yeah i watched tiger king and yeah uh, yeah yeah once uh, once we got through all the hulu binge watching we switched over to netflix yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm gonna lie i'm gonna make up some heroic stuff yeah, that i, I did was, during yeah. this we locked the doors and, yeah. yeah we went to a mcdonald's drive through and it, yeah. was, it was just amazing <laughs> wow so but that's you know the, these people are living in the moment and and you know when we're watching this you think of this is history but Gosh, this was a current event for them, and they unlike unlike us, they didn't know what was going to happen. And it's it's one of those things you kind of it's these are these are people that are within you know within my lifetime at least. This is this is something that that you know you think about a hundred years from now they'll be talking about it, but they might not relate to the people that of what they're doing or what they knew or what you know what they couldn't know. Uh, why you know, and and there'll be questions like, well, why couldn't they just do this or that? And it's like, well, because the technology wasn't there to do this or that. Um, 
and it's just we live in we live in an interesting time in that the people that experience this are still alive and we can talk to them so that's that's what i'm always i'm very grateful that we can do this on the show at this time period that we can uh yeah we can have these kind of things um i just want to i'm looking something up at the moment but uh uh one of the things that uh that's in the background uh i'm gonna say something out loud dedelston um i just want to make sure i'm saying it right uh Paul Dettelsfin was a uh, uh, an artist, a commercial artist, kind of like the way we know Thomas Kincaid, uh, you know, the painter of light guy. He did popular oh, yeah. popular paintings. And out of focus, as uh, Mary Hayes walks in toward the other room, out of focus in the background is a is a Paul Dettelsfin painting, and he used to do uh, these kind of very uh, popular looking turn of the cent- turn of the nineteenth into twentieth century. Uh, drawings of rural life. He'd have pictures of kids chasing a uh, a fire truck or, or or something that were you know like around 1900. They'd have pictures of horse-drawn carriages and uh, lemonade stands, that kind of thing. And just I, I see that in the background. And that that picture that was on the wall there was probably in 50,000 other tract homes in in Houston because <laughs> they they sold them by the <laughs> metric ton at the local Kmart. Um, but it, it's just interesting just to see that little thing. It's like oh yeah, that's some some art whoever the art director was doing this particular scene they knew their 1970 uh, uh pop culture stuff oh you're dating yourself jim you said kmart i know well back then <laughs> back when there when there was a kmart yeah so. i mean they're still out there but boy it's yeah. getting hard to get them <laughs> yeah i think i i did a i did a search it's like find the nearest kmart near you and i think the nearest one with me was panama city i thought wow panama city florida it's like no panama city panama it's the closest oh, one to me. <laughs> like, oh boy. So, uh, anyway, we're watching. Uh, a- a- after we get past Mary getting out, because Jules Bergman is talking pretty horrible stuff about the uh, uh, carbon dioxide building up, um, and we get to a scene where where they're having a press con- they're having the press conference, and I have to say, uh, the scene, the couple of scenes that we've had in this press conference room. It, it annoys me because somewhere in that room, one of the reporters listed uh, is, um, oh gosh, now I'm going to, now I'm going to blank on the name and <laughs> it's my fault. Um, anyway, one of the actors there, uh, hang on one second, I apologize. Uh, uh, Paul Manti, I, I don't know why the name didn't kick in my head. Paul Manti is one of the actors that's in this thing and, and He's unnoticeable because he doesn't get a line in this, but Paul Manti was the guy who played the lead character in Robinson Crusoe on Mars with uh, with Adam West of uh, oh. 19, 1964 film. And it was one of my, growing up, it was always on like the 4.30 movie. And uh, <laughs> I used to wait for that movie because it used to scare the hell out of me because uh, Robinson Crusoe on Mars had gotten stuck on Mars and it, it, it's a lot like the movie The Martian. It only it's, it was made in 1964, and he he crash landed, and uh, his uh, co-pilot that he went that went with him, uh, who stayed in orbit, who by the way was played by a pre-Batman Adam West. Wow. Uh, he he died on a on a rescue mission to pick up pick him up off the off the surface, and uh, Paul Manti eventually. Uh, ordered ordered the orbital ship to blow up so he watched it blow up but uh he met this uh he met this guy from like jupiter some other planet who had been brought to uh, mars 
and he was a slave, and he named him Friday, just like, you know, Robert, the original Defoe book. And uh, these evil, uh, you know, Jupiterians or wherever they were from, they had these ships that looked just like the uh, Martian death machines from uh, War of the Worlds, the 1956 movie, or 1953 movie. Uh, and uh, they would they would be zo- they were zooming around looking for Robinson Crusoe and like firing on him on the ground and uh, you know basically laser blasting it was like phaser hits uh, around him as he's trying to avoid being killed and just you know when you're six years old watching a movie like that on TV you're just like you watch it from behind the <laughs> behind the couch movie that's what I call it it's um, like you hide behind the couch and watch the movie over the over the top of it uh, <laughs> but uh, he was he was one of my I don't want to say a childhood hero, like it's not an idol or anything, but like he was one of my favorite science fiction characters as a six-year-old. Um, if you get a chance to see Robin Robinson Crusoe on Mars with, with Paul Manti, you'll understand why I want to see where he is in this um, in this shot. And if uh, if we ever get Ron Howard on the show, which please God let Ron Howard <laughs> find the show and get on the show, I want to ask him about getting Paul Manti and if it was because of Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Anyway, that's my little tirade about this. <laughs> This one little scene, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's good. I, I do like the uh, this interrupt. I mean, like we keep going around the different different locations just to see how everybody's feeling about stuff, and uh, the idea that uh, you know Deke and the NASA director have to take time out to come out and explain to everybody what's happening and how serious uh, the situation is. Um, it's. Uh, it's it's hard to explain all this at once when you get so many things going on. Uh, there's a there's a discussion in this minute where uh, uh, at the at the beginning where uh, Jim Lovell takes off a sock and he's like we need you need to get one sock and it's like oh here's here's a sock well the uh, the use of that sock was it ha- they had to use it so they could gum up the outside of the uh, the intake on the lunar module so. Um, Jim Lovell explains it in the uh, in the commentary for Apollo 13 that basically the sock would force because it was uh, plugging up the hole, uh, it would force the uh, uh, the lem's uh, scrubber to use the intake pipe instead of uh, you know trying to suck the air out of the room. Oh, interesting. I always wondered what that was for. Yeah, so that's that's where the sock part came in, and uh, I do I. It, it does make make. I mean, you, I know you've done that in your in your classroom, making something similar of building building something. But it make it does make you want to build one of these things just to see just to see how it turn out. I don't know where. <laughs> I, I don't that know would be get. interesting. I'd like to see if it would work. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering. There's uh, you know, there's all kinds of schematics and things online. I'm just uh, I'm wondering if anybody with a 3D printer could print up the outside box of a lithium hydroxide container and and make one. Um, that seems to be like the hardest piece that you'd have to get. But everything yeah. else, yeah, I can get a plastic bag, I can get duct tape, and uh, I can get a, I can even get a flight cover and print it on cardboard. So it might be something interesting to have, and then try to figure out where to put it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have very understanding wives. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank goodness. Um, wow. Well, this is uh, this is where uh, where they're at. They've pretty much assembled everything. He, uh, you know, we end with Swigert saying he can hear air moving through the uh, through the box. So that's a that's a good sign, and uh, very. I I think this you know this past week of, of these past five minutes of of talking about this trouble, it it could be a lot less dramatic than the way that they presented it. But I think uh, showing how uh, important it was to get the thing done, 
it was very very good storytelling in in this particular week of uh, of shows. I find it interesting that Gene Kranz, when I asked him about the building the filter, he gave that exact I mean that exact phraseology uh, that they do in this clip that this is the most significant threat to manned spaceflight. Yeah, uh, and, and that's what he said about this you know overcoming the filter issue. Um, so I mean, yeah, it, it was a pretty dramatic thing. The other thing I touch, I you know, I think to just mention is it had to be awful for the wives and families to sit there because you couldn't turn the news on, of course, without you know that being everywhere. And and as they're showing the coverage, I mean that that you know, I think Mary conveys it really cool in the scene. That had to be really excruciating. Yeah. To hear these guys just you know talking about there's no rescue possible in space, you know and. God, it's a constant reminder of your your husband is up there. Yeah, and and you know it, it's it, nothing's nothing's changed since. I mean, you you turn on the news is twenty four seven, so you hear about you know all these people have died or all this this is going on, and you may know people that are in a similar circumstance, and it's like, well, yeah. this isn't this isn't raising my uh, my hopes on anything. Thanks. Thanks for nothing. Um, yeah, you can only watch the news for so long, and then you have to go turn on like Andy Griffith or something. And yeah, just... exactly. Just to get, <laughs> clean, clean the clean the pipes. Um, but it's uh you know it's nice that this has a has a happy ending. I think it's uh it, it, you know and knowing knowing that it's a it, uh, that it's something that was surmounted is is a great you know it, it helps the f- it's helped watching a film where you know okay they're not all gonna die at the end of this one. <laughs> yeah um, yeah exactly. You know I, I always thought it was interesting and I, I can't remember if I told this story before or not and I probably did so uh, just indulge me if we can so. hear it again. We can. Yeah, but there was a guy who. Uh, contacted us at the museum and it was after uh, I gave an Apollo 13 lecture and he basically said that he was deployed uh, in the Air Force to like Antarctica his wife was there with him at, the, at on station and then he got deployed to like Vietnam from there into combat and while so she wasn't getting the news great where she was you know they didn't get much news a lot of times in vietnam in the jungles so he missed this entire thing so when he watched the movie he didn't know if they made it back oh. he, had, he oh. had never you know I, you know and we watched it this was like in the theater so like in the 90s or early night or mid 90s and uh so he had no idea like they had that this had happened he was just blown away by there was an apollo 13 uh, crisis, you know, and uh, he was telling me that story that we, you know, he said we were both just so disconnected from the world that uh, when we saw it for the first time, we didn't know what the ending was. Wow. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I had a friend who, uh, a coworker actually, uh, who uh, was a POW, and he was shot down in uh, at the end of 1966, and uh, he wasn't released until January of 1973 when the war ended, and uh, he not only missed you know the moon landing he missed the you know pretty much the entire apollo program and he didn't like he didn't know about frank borman's flight you know let alone you know it's like they didn't tell him anything and by the time he had heard something from people who had been shot down after him but they weren't really allowed to talk that much and he had heard that that they had landed on the moon but he didn't know anything really about it it's like really is it true or what you know so uh yeah he said that one the one of the big things was was catching up you know you, you figure you miss five years out of your life um there's a lot to to pick up on that you that you missed um yeah 
And, uh, you know, nowadays, gosh, you're so inundated with information. It's, it's hard not to know things. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, but yeah, just a, just a, a, a good minute for seeing good, good time capsule of a uh, 1970 stuff. I'm just, that, that, that's what impresses me most. Also, I want a, uh, I want a beta cloth uh, flight suit every time I see Kevin Bacon floating around. I don't think I'd I don't think I'd fit it as well, but it's uh it's a pretty cool cool looking flight suit. Um and this is another one of those ones where I can't tell whether uh if they're shooting this upside down or if they're shooting this in zero G. What you know what what's happening there? Is are they you know Yeah I, I, I'm guessing that it's in the that that it's in the vomit comet, but I, I can't be sure, which is good. That's that's a good mark of, of great uh, great special effects. Yeah, I was going to say, that's pretty good when you don't know if they're actually in zero gravity or not. That's Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's something. And uh, tight, tight quarters uh, filming all that. And, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, they basically took the back off the lunar module because he's right up against the back wall of the, of the, uh, the lunar module. Um, I'm not even exactly sure where his feet are because <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't fit that way. I mean, like, the wall doesn't go the length of his legs that other side. So that's kind of a uh, – I, 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 don't, I don't understand where his legs are because you don't have three feet that, to the left of the screen. But uh, that's, it's a movie. i got to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this has been a great minute, uh, and we'll have many, many more in front of us. And actually, we're, we're, we're past the halfway point. We're, we're on the downhill side now on the, on the, the short. We're about two-thirds of the way through the film. Um, but please come back and, and, and listen to us some more. If you have some thoughts on this particular minute or any previous minutes, love to hear from you on our social media at uh, uh, Apollo 13's Mission Control on Facebook or at Apollo 13 Minute on Twitter. Uh, you, if you've missed any of our previous episodes, and they're all, everyone is a perfect diamond of, of, uh, of an episode, uh, go check, <laughs> check us out at Apollo13Minute.com, Apollo13Minute.com, or on your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe, and we'll be out there uh, Mondays through Friday. Uh, you can pick us up first thing in the morning every every day delivered hot and fresh um but we will return uh tomorrow as we see well what what's befalling them next and, and is this uh little uh macgyver fix working uh, but we'll see you here tomorrow it looks like we're coming up on lost the signal in about 30 seconds so we'll see you here wednesday on the apollo 13 minute